gentlemen welcome to no budget nightmares this is mo he's a bad film hating while i skating all the while masturbating that's, that's mo porn yeah. yeah and with me as always is the one and only doug tilly he's bow, doug bow, tilly bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy bow, bow. mo it's been a little while since we've been together it's been a while it's been a while uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll never stop doing that either i guess no, uh it's won't. I, it was actually a combination of things. There were some scheduling problems, and then my laptop took a big dump, uh, and it meant that I had to start fresh. I didn't lose any important information. All the archives of No Budget Nightmares, I'm sure our listeners will be glad to hear, has been, have been saved, and they're fine. Oh, that's uh, unfortunate. <laughs> even the first episode, which I understand that you listened to recently. Yeah, I listened to it today. Uh, but uh, it's been a little while <laughs> uh, since we've been together to talk about low-budget films and no budget cinema. Yeah, it really does feel like as I was doing that opening intro, I'm like, I'm trying to remember how it goes. What? You know, th- thinking to myself, like, man, it's it feels like it's been forever. It, it does. It does kind of feel that way. Maybe it's this time of the year too, where the days, the long days, Mo, the 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 dog days of summer we're in as we're recording this episode. Like, um, oh, oh, those summer nights. Oh. <laughs> oh well, oh well, oh well. Uh, our previous episode on Don Dollar's Night Beast, uh, it's been a little bit since that was released, and uh, I did want to start the show today by saying that the response to it has been very kind. You know, I think we took very good care to make sure that we were respectful. It was a very kind of different tone for an episode of No Budget Nightmares compared to what we normally do. It was very much a celebration, even though, you know, I think that when there was something that was goofy or a little bit uh, hard to understand, that we made it very clear our opinions on that. But yeah, we had I don't, to... I, I don't think we, we handled the material any differently than we would have handled any other show uh, or any other movie. I, I just, you know, it's just... But you're right. It's, it's, it's a celebration of the man's work. Uh, you know, we really appreciate him as a filmmaker, um, you know, and what he and, and the influence he's had on on the industry. So, you know, it, it, yeah, it's going to take a different tone. Definitely. I guess the real difference is that we were talking about a movie that we liked, <laughs> and we like kind of consistently all the way through. And when you're talking, and and I think that just kind of it it backs up that idea that. Uh, that we are not here just to tear into any movie that's put in front of us. If if there's something good, we'll talk about something good. If it's bad, we'll talk about something that's not so good. Exactly. That's just the way we are. Uh, but one of the people that we mentioned on the previous episode was Robert Long, who uh, had some reservations initially about us covering a Don Dohler movie. And before mm-hmm. we started today, uh, because some actually really interesting news was announced right around that time period when we were making that last episode, that uh, Robert is actually he's a filmmaker himself and has returned to filmmaking and started an Indiegogo campaign for his movie Madhouse 
manner. And huzzah. huzzah! And this is interesting for a number of different reasons. Not because, not just because his relationship to Don Dohler, but this is a movie that has a lot of connections to Don's work, uh, including sharing some actors. And obviously, the the tone of it will be very similar to the work before. Uh, and Robert again is a very good friend of the show, and we want to throw our support behind this project as well. Madhouse Manor. Take a look for it on Facebook. Look for it on Google on the Indiegogo campaign. If you want to find it uh, directly, it's Indiegogo.com slash projects slash madhouse dash manor dash the dash movie, and you will go right to it. Uh, there's, uh, at the time when this is released, there'll probably be about, well, uh, probably less than 20 days left in the campaign, and we want to put as much, uh, put as many eyes on it as possible. Eyes in the skies. Eyes in the skies. Mo, you are a poet, and you didn't even know it. Oh, I knew it. Now, it might seem like we are uh, feeling hesitant to talk about the subject of today's episode, but that's not really the case at all. No. The th- no. <laughs> the thing is... <laughs> no, I want to get right into it. <laughs> the, uh, the subject of today's show is... This is another episode, by the way, picked by a fan... Uh, yeah. Fan in quotation marks because you never know. Maybe they just want to fuck us over. They're, but they're in, two for two so far, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> in this case, a listener of the show who is also a contributor to our Patreon campaign, which, by the way, anyone who's contributing, we of course appreciate that very much. There are perks involved. This perk was claimed by Mr. James Owens, who decided to choose for us a very different kind of low-budget movie than we usually cover on the show. Yeah, and I'll give him credit on on this one because uh, th- honestly, I don't think either one of us ever would have thought to cover this. No, absolutely not. In fact, this is e- isn't even an area which I thought we would ever cover nope. on the show. The closest we ever came to doing something like this was in the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode, where right. we we covered the uh, the group of of young people who remade that movie shot for shot. But even that doesn't really fit into what we're talking about today. And for nope. those who don't know know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about fan films. Fan films. Now, for those who don't know what a fan film is, uh, you should. I don't know what's wrong with you. Why would you, you not know what that is? You should be listening to this show. You should know what that is. <laughs> but I'll elaborate slightly. Say there's a movie or a television show or some piece of fiction that you're a really big fan of, and when you finish kind of, of uh, consuming all of the material related to it, you, you think... Boy, I wish there was more. I wish there was more in this universe to explore. And you decide, well, you know what? I'm going to create that more. I'm going to make a film that extends that universe or tells another story with those characters. And I'm going to put that out in the world. And then you think in your brain, oh, wait, all of this material is copyrighted, so I can't sell it. But as long as I just give it away, uh, I can use all of the names and I can use all of the, say, the music and the logos related to that. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. And, you know, in genre films in particular, there's lots of these. There's Halloween uh, fan films. There are Star Wars fan films, of course. Many, many of those. Uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. uh, I prefer slash fiction myself. I know. I know you do. In fact, (laughs) I mean, fan fiction... Uh, and fan films are obviously very similar uh, right. in terms of what their motivations are. And there are some really good fan films out there. Today, <laughs> we're going to be talking about a Ghostbusters fan film called Return of the Ghostbusters. Yes. Now, Mo, have no. you ever heard of this movie 
Ghostbusters? Um, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> the original we're talking about? Yes. The, yeah, the mid-80s, a uh, comedy horror classic Ghostbusters, which uh, you might not know this, Mo, but it's actually being remade as we're talking about uh, this right now. I, 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 do, I did know that, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'll leave... I'll leave that one out of this. Well, you should leave it out of it because I think we're at odds in terms of our opinion. I'm very excited about the remake, actually. I have a very strong feeling that it's going to be very good. And and I don't care about the fact that they are remaking it, uh, even though remakes are not something I have a particularly strong positive feeling about. To me, if for one thing, when you have a franchise where in terms of its four main characters, one of them doesn't want to do it, one of them is dead... One of them is a little bit crazy. <laughs> it's all right to recast it, and I think they're they're taking an interesting direction in, in terms of what they're doing. But I'll, us, I'll reserve judgment until it comes out. Let's reserve judgment and save our judgment for Return of the Ghostbusters, which is a movie we have both seen. Yep. Now, hey, let, let me let me ask you real quick before sure. we get into this, since we're on the subject of of fan fiction. Have you ever personally written? anything or been involved in anything of of this sort of variety where it's like uh your take on another uh you know universe yeah that's a really good question uh not as such i did and this was way back in the 1990s some of you might remember that time uh they used to do these things i don't know if they still do them anymore it's gonna sound so nerdy um mystery science theater 3000 fandom used to do basically Riffing, which is what they do on the movies, they yep. would the fans of the show would riff text material like uh, short stories or or like fan fiction and kind of make fun of it through the characters' voices as you're reading it. Uh, and I once uh, writ I writ <laughs> I wow. writ I I wrote uh, some of of that uh, at the time, but it, that must have been like 1998, maybe 1999. Mm-hmm. It was quite a while ago, but that's as close as I've ever come. How? But I I feel like this is a loaded question. Though. <laughs> uh, not loaded as such. No, I used to be involved in uh, in a writing team um, where, like, for a while, me and a buddy of mine wanted to go into comedy writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, obviously, it's not quite the same, but uh, you know how, like, to get into comedy writing, a lot of the times you have to write, like, spec scripts for things. You know, so, I mean, so I've written a lot of spec scripts. Not a lot. I uh, Less less than a dozen, but, I mean, you know, some. And it just – so stuff like this always kind of reminds me of of that time when I'm trying to put myself into the – the minds of of other characters like characters that other people created and try to think like them and all that stuff and i think the only one we were ever really truly successful with because we were both just huge fucking nerds for it was the episode of the simpsons we we wrote (laughs) um that we actually tried to give to mike reese we were like uh, because we met him once and we're, we're like, you got to read our spec script for Simpsons. He's like, I can't touch that. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, as Mo is suggesting from what he's saying, a lot of comedy writers or writers for any sort of television or trying to break into that industry, you're expected to write spec scripts, which are basically uh, sample episodes of uh, already existing television shows to show that you can write in that style. And in fact, uh, notably, Judd Apatow wrote a Simpsons spec script, which is actually being turned into an episode, I think, in this season or maybe it already has uh yeah and and i mean that's when you hear about writers getting hired you hear about them they'll use sometimes say you know i got hired on this spec script 
but usually it's not for the show they're actually applying for. It's right, usually right. for a different show. You're right. It, there, that is sort of a variation on uh, fan fiction anyway. And, of course, the idea of writing in someone else's voice is really what television writing is all about, right? right. It's being part of a group of people all writing for pre-existing voices. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and I, I think I think like I said with the Simpsons one, I think we were we were fairly successful. Although we probably could have had a stronger B storyline, but um, the uh, the the main storyline I thought was was very funny, and I'm not going to get into it because I don't want you know like it to get out there and, wow. and all that. I feel like you should release this spec script <laughs> into the world and let us all read it and laugh at it. Oh, I, I got to tell you, and I'll, I'll keep this super short so we can actually get to the, <laughs> to the meat of this episode. But um, uh, this happens to me every now and again where because you know how like our circles like The Simpsons comes up all the fucking time. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and sometimes I'll talk about this particular episode, forgetting that it wasn't a real episode, that it was something that <laughs> that, that we that we wrote. And they're like, I don't remember that from a Simpsons episode ever. And I'll be thinking to myself, like, oh, fuck, that's right. This is, this is not <laughs> an actual episode. I like thinking because I haven't watched a lot of The Simpsons over the last decade, the, yeah, the new exactly. episodes, right? So if someone described the plot to me, especially because some of the ones over the last few years have been so outlandish, I, I mean, I probably would totally believe that what you were saying was a real episode. <laughs> no, this one's definitely in – because when we wrote it, it was uh, – like just past Simpsons Prime, right? You know, so maybe like, um, maybe like <laughs> early to mid two thousand. No, no, not even. I think maybe like like mid to yeah, like mid two thousands, right? You know, so the Simpsons were already kind of like waning at this point, like with sure. their quality, and so I feel like it's uh, it kind of would fall in <laughs> in that level, you know. But we had, a, but we had, we did have a really great uh, Mo Sislak gag in there, and may, maybe if I can, if I can find it somewhere, because I know I have a, a a written, a printed copy of it somewhere, but I don't know if I actually have the the digital file anywhere. And if I can find it, I'll I'll, I'll send it out. Was Homer a grunge musician who fell in love with Marge in the nineteen ninety three ninety four era in your script? No. Mm, good, because that would be a terrible idea. Yeah, no, no. This one involved um, Grandpa becoming the mayor. I want to see that episode. Yeah, it actually was. It actually, I, I really feel like it, it came out great. Certainly one of our listeners could animate this. Probably. Because <laughs> that, that wouldn't, you know, uh, cross well, any lines. <laughs> we're giving it away for free, just that's, like the creators of Return of the Ghostbusters gave away their product for free. And it has actually nice readily... Segue. That's right. It, readily, it is readily available. You can view it on YouTube. There's actually a few places online that you can view it. Uh, and uh, just going back to a se- for a second, Mo, are you a big Ghostbusters fan? Yeah, I'd, I'd say I am. Yeah. Okay. Specifically just, the first movie, not so much the second. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, like in the late '80s, I never thought that there was a difference in quality between the first and second. Mm. Uh, but of course, watching it as an adult, it is a lot more clear. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the first movie is so much better. <laughs> Return of the Ghostbusters isn't it's a little different than you would expect out of some of these fan films because it is actually extending the universe of the movie a little bit and not focusing on the characters 
that you're most familiar with. Right. It actually has a whole new group of Ghostbusters. It takes place in Denver instead of New York. And in fact, and it's important to mention this at the beginning, Return of the Ghostbusters is actually a sequel to a fan film. Mm. Uh, and the first one, with these same characters, or at least most of the same characters, and certainly the same lead, they, uh, they fought Freddy Krueger. <laughs> of course they did So it was sort of a, a fan film Within a fan film or, fan, or or like a fan film mixed And that's, I mean, it's really like a slash fiction type thing <laughs> Yeah Except they didn't fuck Freddy I was going to say, there's no fucking involved, but sure I mean, it isn't the essential part Maybe I'm wrong about this, I You're apologize wrong. if I I'm am I'm telling okay. you right now you are yeah. Alright, okay, well I'll just stop essential talking. part of slash fiction is they're fucking Is it though? I think so I thought the slash was just the kind of meeting of two different fans. No, no, that's how it started. Okay. But that's not where it is. Hmm. As far as I know it. Now, the question that that begs is mm-hmm. how much Ghostbusters uh, slash fiction is there? I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Well, I mean, this would be a good time to look it up, which is what I'm doing right now. Oh, well, um, I'll hmm. vamp for a second then. Yeah, please, please do. A little, do. do a little tap dancing. <laughs> you know, you're okay. Let's let me see here. This one's called A Present from Peter. It's oh, uh, Peter Egon uh, fan fiction and it's rated NC 17. That's I'm sure that's wrong. Uh, Peter leaned up to lick and suck <laughs> on his lover's collarbone. Egon smiled as their exertions so far had not managed to knock Peter's hat off. It was, <laughs> it was slightly askew, giving him a rakish look, but it was still atop his head. Egon chuckled and rolled them to their sides, <laughs> capturing Peter's mouth for a searing kiss. Wow. Hmm, that's not bad. But we're not talking about <laughs> slash fiction today. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, I bet if it was just me reading that for the rest of the show, it would be a much more popular episode. Yeah. Now, today we're talking about Return of the Ghostbusters from 2007, directed by Hank Braxton and written by Tim Johnson and Hank, Hank Braxton. Tim Johnson uh, being the lead actor in the movie as well, playing Ed Spengler, the son of Egon Spengler. Nephew. Nephew, sorry, I wish I, <laughs> I I should have written these things down. The nephew of Egon Spengler from the Ghostbuster movie that we all know and love. Right. Uh, this movie was uh, made on a budget of around three thousand dollars. It took eight months to shoot, and most of that time went to its CGI work. I was going to say, how how much did it, this cost? Three thousand buckaroos. You know what? I got to tell you, for that budget, they did a pretty good job with this. Then, and that's two thousand seven money, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and of course, 2007 technology and 2007 technology, which actually is is more of a contributing factor to the quality of what we're dealing right. with here. The, the the special effects in this movie, in terms of the most important special effects, things like the uh, the trap that the Ghostbusters use and their proton packs and things like that, right. that all looks really good. It does. The, the ghosts The ghosts Oof. Because none of them Are really physical effects They're all done with CG That's a little bit more Of a question mark And by that I mean They mostly look terrible They pretty Pretty much look Look Really bad But if you gave me 3,000 bucks And 8 months I probably wouldn't come up With anything no. close to that Nope I don't think I would be able to either <laughs> Maybe I'd steal Someone else's work But whatever <laughs> Return of the Ghostbusters From two, 2007 Our film begins at uh, with a bunch of teenagers telling ghost stories around a fire, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, they're telling. I didn't realize you'd say one line and expect you know like uh, confirmation. Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> if if there's a point five of a second with no speaking of, by me, that's when you got to jump in there with the sound of vaping. Uh huh. <laughs> there you go. Ah, uh, uh, Darth Vader slash fiction. Right. Uh, so they're telling a story about an old man his lightsaber (laughs) he kissed Darth Vader's collarbone (laughs) (laughs) so uh, this begins with these teens telling a story around a fire they're talking about a local man who experimented on corpses these undead corpses eventually turned on him and consumed his flesh and now they're buried in the woods somewhere it doesn't really matter it really doesn't. But uh, it's it's two guys and two girls, and you know they're uh, teenagers, and or at least they're supposed to be. They look a little too old. They they look twenty eight. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of goofy, and one of the guys keeps repeating the line of the other guy, so it's supposed to be funny. It's not really. So they start hearing moans from around them in the woods, and uh, suddenly a our first example of special effects, a CG ghost bursts from the fire towards them. It's really bad. It's really bad. I mean, all the ghosts in this movie, they're all kind of kind of globular, right? They don't really have a lot of form. Not all of them, I shouldn't say that. There's a few that, that aren't uh, like that. There's a couple that are actually pretty, pretty. you know, I don't want to use the term good-looking, but that are, you know, they, they look well enough. Right. Uh, this one is not one of them. Yeah, and this one doesn't seem to have any kind of physical presence, so it doesn't look like you could touch it at all. <laughs> but just at that moment, three Ghostbusters arrive. Dun, 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 dun. Is that the famous Ghostbusters music I just sure. heard? Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> and by the way, since since this is a uh, four fans film and is not expected to ever be sold, they do use actual licensed music, including the Ghostbusters theme. They sure uh, do. And the Goonies are good enough <laughs> in there as well. Uh, so yeah, so you will hear that in ju- in just a little bit. Well, actually, you won't, but you can listen to the uh, you can watch the movie and certainly hear it. Uh, so there's three Ghostbusters, but that's strange, Mo, because you and I we're both used to be- there being four Ghostbusters. Yeah, but this you know you got to understand this is a different place. And actually, at the beginning of the film, there were only three Ghostbusters. Oh, then they added Ernie Hudson. That's true. Re- really, really? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Some idiots driving by on their fucking quarter uh, bikes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes try to picture in my mind where you live, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, as you mentioned, at the at the beginning of, in fact, for most of the uh, Ghostbusters movie, there was only three of them, and we start with three here as well. At this point, I didn't know that these characters would not reflect the characters from the movie. Yeah, so- me neither. So like in my notes, I'm like, the Peter of the group tells the Egon of the group, you know. And they really do some somewhat fit into the characterizations from the movie. Right. So we have so let's just talk about the three characters now. We have Ed who is the Egon equivalent because he's a big nerd and he invents all the stuff that the Ghostbusters use. Right. Then you have Neil yeah. who is sort of the Bill Murray equivalent. Yeah, he's kind of the Peter of the group. Uh you know, he's not nearly as like He's no Bill Murray. Yeah, he's yeah, he's really no Bill Murray. He's not successfully smarmy. 
you know, he's just sort of, just seems like sort of an ass. Yeah, and he's also, and this is really important, he's not the leader of the group. No. I mean, I guess some people might take umbrage at the idea that Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters is the leader of the Ghostbusters, right, but right. he is the fucking leader of the Ghostbusters. No, he, yeah, no, he absolutely is. He's not the smartest, he's not, you know, he, he's not the quote-unquote best, but he's the leader of the group. He's the charismatic lead. Now, the other character here is Pavel, who is a Russian who has come to the United States after the fall of the Iron Curtain. I don't know what year this is supposed to take place yeah, in. Yeah, right, because <laughs> this guy looks like he's in his, you know, at the oldest, maybe early 30s, but more, oh, than, likely, stretch, more, I think. more than likely mid-20s, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. And he speaks in a strong Russian accent. Right. That is not always... There. Uh, there. <laughs> it's a very bad Russian accent. This character doesn't make a lot of sense, and I, I. But it's different. It certainly is different than the kind of traditional structure. And he doesn't play the same role that, say, Dan Aykroyd's character plays. Yeah, he's in. definitely not the Ray of the group. Right. Exactly. But so you know, they, you know what I do like about him, though, is his last name. Yes. What is his last name? His his full name is I know. is Pavel Karnov. Karnov. Now. For those who are not as old as Mo and myself, <laughs> you might not laugh at the idea of his last name being Karnov, but there's a lot of references to 80s uh, pop culture in this movie, and uh, the video that, game... And that is certainly one. And the NES video game Karnov, and, and also arcade game uh, Karnov, is something I played a lot of back in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, absolutely. I love that fire-breathing Russian... <laughs> So uh, the Ghostbusters rush in. They um, they uh, they actually have the the famous Ghostbuster trap. It's on like a, a remote control. It's got wheels on it, which is uh, supposed to be, I guess, a, a, an idea that they've improved upon some of the technology. Mm. They put out the trap. They get the ghost, and uh, and that's that. Yup. Yup. And then they uh, decide that they're going to mm. uh, they're going to lecture. The uh, kids for being out uh, here drinking alcohol. No, you really shouldn't drink alcohol. Studies have shown that alcohol leads to a decrease in brain function. Drugs are bad too. And um, drunk driving and uh, abortion is, well, I don't really have an opinion on that. (laughs) Who are you guys? We're the Ghostbusters. I love how that guy sounded like Chris from Family Guy. Guys, well, that guy in this case is Ed Spengler, the nephew of Egon Spengler, also the lead character in this movie no, and I'm the leader. About, I'm talking about the other guy, the, the oh, the kid, guy. right? <laughs> but Egon or Ed in this case, what did you think about his performance in this movie? Uh, it's it's pretty muted, but uh, right. you know, it, it's not terrible. He's not he, the he's not the worst thing about the film. He's playing a nerd, and he looks like a nerd, and he acts like a nerd. And so he I guess we like can, a nerd. So he I'm does like, sound like like I do. I sound like a nerd. You do sound like a nerd. I like a dork. You got that growly voice, and everyone's like that. That's what a man is supposed to sound. like. <laughs> oh, is, this is what a man is supposed to sound like. That's right. You know, it's a, a two two or three words, and then a, a cloud of vaping, and then back yeah. to more of a sentence. That's true. That's, That's true. what men do in 2015. It's true. I guess I'm a, a real modern man's man. <laughs> you heard in that uh, sound clip some a little bit of music in the background. I think they use, and I apologize if I should already know this, some of the incidental music from Ghostbusters as well. Uh, they, it, yeah, they use a lot of incidents. Yeah, it's, it certainly sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Ghostbusters in a, in, a, in a while, but certainly I think they use as much of that material as possible. Yeah, I watched it last October because I, I, it's one of those ones I generally go back to around Halloween time. And uh, yeah, they, yeah they, there's a lot of it in here. 
And that leads us right into the opening credits, Return of the Ghostbusters. And they actually have a pretty neat opening credits thing where it looks like it's kind of moving around CG mountains, but we find at the end it pulls back and it's actually the logo for the movie that that we've been traveling through. The weird thing about it is that they play some music during this opening credits and it doesn't really sound like, like Ghostbusters music. It sounds like almost like Danny Elfman type music yeah yeah no it definitely it definitely goes more for the elfman style which is fine but it's actually one of the first signs that we get that tonally this movie is going to be a little bit different in fact significantly different than what well, you, might you know it, may, it makes sense too because these guys obviously have their own influences and this is their own influences making it into the the final product it's funny to think that the first movie that they made this uh, freddy versus the ghostbusters movie that's really you know it, that's both a nightmare on elm street fan film and a ghostbusters fan film and See, now make- that's slash fiction yes <laughs> like we said they didn't fuck in left to our knowledge that, well you know if you think uh well freddy was fucked yeah he was fucked i guess <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a scene where one of the Ghostbusters is sleeping and his zipper comes down and uh, his eyes go crossed as Freddy is giving him a, a, a <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> so, uh, yes, so the end of the opening credits transitions right into the famous Ghostbusters song by Ray Parker Jr. It goes, I want a new drug. Yep. That's exactly how it goes. (laughs) And uh, uh, then we get sort of a montage of magazine covers uh, featuring the Ghostbusters within Denver, which I believe is in Colorado. Denver Uh, is in Colorado. (laughs) These Ghostbusters are actually fairly well-known. They're famous. Maybe because of the actions in the previous movie, they seem to have a lot of respect, or at least at one point had some respect in the uh, area of Colorado. Well, you have to understand that that when this movie takes place, or when it seems like it takes place, you know the ghost, but there's the, the Ghostbusters in New York are already a thing, right? You know because they reference them several times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that these guys have already thanks for because you pointed this out to to me before the show that they've already had adventures, so to speak. You know, <laughs> if if at least just with dealing with Freddy. Right. So, I mean, obviously, these guys are known at this point. So uh, one of the other things about this montage is that it allows uh, the movie to introduce all of the main characters. It does introduce Ed Spengler. We learned, by the way, that he also not only is the leader of the Ghostbusters, but has a local science TV show. Science which, Universe! Which, which becomes a weird subplot that seems to just... <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. I, I don't get why it's even in there. Uh, we have Pavel Karnov, of course, and Neil Anderson, who is described as a ladies' man and self-proclaimed badass. And he's neither of those. Right. And he does get interrupted by a reporter who, uh, who asks him a very sensible question. Excuse me, are you guys worried that you're going to put yourselves out of a job? Out of a job? Are you crazy, man? As long as people keep dying, there will always be ghosts. But what about the activists that are rallying around the rights of ghosts? Look, I'm a real busy guy. Would you like an autograph or something? So yes, there there are also. I mean, that's acting. Um, there, are, just like in the Dead Next Door, there are activists, pro ghost activists, and this becomes a really kind of major part of the story as well, which is the idea that the containment unit that the Ghostbusters have, in this case, is slightly different looking, that it's trapping the souls of the ghosts. You so know, I, I got to tell you, of all of the ideas that this um, 
that this movie introduces the idea that they're like quote unquote soul harvesting mm. I loved it. I think that's such a great idea. The rest of it, you know, not so much. But I love that idea at the very least. It becomes a kind of a key idea because it's one of the things that turns people against the Ghostbusters. Right. Uh, And it becomes sort of a controversial thing, even though it ends up getting sort of dismissed at some point. But, I mean, the way that it's described, and I don't know if this is necessarily uh, canon... the Ghostbusters, but <laughs> okay. the I, the idea that the ghosts that they are busting are uh, people who have sort of refused to go to uh, the basically after death, the soul is spread throughout the universe. So it could be heaven, or it could be hell, or it could just be spread out. But some people stay, and they turn into ghosts. I don't know why they turn evil necessarily and start eating hot dogs or whatnot, but <laughs> but that's that's why they have to bust these guys. But what that means is that they're trapping their soul within their containment unit. Exactly. And some people don't like that idea. And but, Egon, guys... but Egon doesn't necessarily even agree with that idea, at least at first. Right. Uh, because it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just ecto-activity. You know, it's not really the soul of the person <laughs> exactly though though that there's there is certainly by the end of the movie there's a big question mark there so i don't think there's a question mark at all I think <laughs> pretty firmly answered <laughs> so uh the female lead of the movie is april and uh she is not april o'neill from teenage mutant ninja turtles though i was so kind of hoping clearly she's named after her. <laughs> uh, and uh she is a news reporter who is uh being asked reluctantly to do a story on the Ghostbusters. She wants to do a story on this local professor who has uh, discovered some Egyptian artifacts, but uh, she's been promised by her boss several times that she'll get opportunities to become a news anchor, uh, and uh, by doing this, she's hoping she can kind of get ahead. Right. So then we are introduced to the Ghostbusters headquarters. Yeah, which, I mean, I I like the fact that they seem to be... I mean, I don't know if this is like... uh, I'm trying yes. to think of how to explain it. Okay. Like, so we, like we were talking about this before the show, like apparently like not apparently I knew this already, but around the country, there are like local factions of ghostbusters. Right. You know, um, sort of in the vein, how you put it of the, uh, like the stormtrooper, uh, you know, um, sure. Whatever you would call them. They, they have like... Uh, Military terms don't come to me. I don't really... Yeah, know. you know, what are they called again? <laughs> yeah, those, exactly. Um, you know, because I actually have a friend who's in the Georgia one. So, like, I know that these things exist. Um, what Mo was trying to say, by the way, is uh, not to cut you off. <laughs> of course. But, but there are people who dress up like the Ghostbusters, and they're part of kind of uh, statewide groups, like groups that meet within a state, and they all dress the same. And there's ones of those for stormtroopers as well, and sometimes they go out and do charity events, and they go to uh, cons and things like that, but they're sort of organized together. So it almost makes me kind of wonder with what what these guys are using for... um... Uh, for the Ghostbusters headquarter, if that's right. not like the hall that these guys like meet at. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know. They do not have a fireman's pole. No, which is disappointing because yeah, but they do have a nice building. It does look like an office, so that's something. They even have a secretary uh, that is not Annie Potts, 
And does she, is she given a name? <laughs> I was just gonna say. And also, <laughs> I don't believe she's ever named in the movie. Maybe huh? she's named in the movie before this, but they never. Like I was waiting right up till the end. I was like, someone say her yeah, fucking name. Say her name. Nope. <laughs> and even in the credits, like when they when they show the picture and put the name on the person's name underneath it, they don't say like as this person yeah. or like <laughs> you know like any way of telling what this character's name is. Not named. This uh, sequence is notable because Africa by Toto is playing in the background. <laughs> and Neil comes out and he talks to the secretary, the unnamed secretary. Um, he was apparently out late. He says he's going to watch Quantum Leap reruns all day. Yes. But then the Ghostbusters get a call. For, I mean, the suggestion here, by the way, is that they do pretty well. So it's okay for them not to take every job offered to them. So, so then the Ghostbusters get a call from April, the reporter, uh, who is trying, of course, to do a piece on them. And because Neil is like a horny douchebag, he immediately takes, after he finds out, after the secretary hangs up on her, <laughs> he, go, he, he calls her back and sets up a time. Yeah, because he is... Uh, he wants to get a piece of that, you know, April Vajaja. Vajaja. That's exactly what he says. It's true. No, no he doesn't. He goes, oh, she's hot. Yeah. Uh, so the reason he's alone at the uh, Ghostbusters office is because Ed and Pavel are uh, on their show. Well, actually, it's Ed's show, Science Universe, which uh, they are With apparently. Ed Spangler, the science nerd. <laughs> the science nerd. And uh, they're putting uh, the finishing touches on a neutron accelerator on the show. This uh, sort of reminds me of uh, Secrets of the Universe from UHF. Uh-huh. Uh, the idea of making something, of course, well beyond what, <laughs> what a, a person could actually... Especially for kids, the show is supposed to be for, right? Right. Uh, in this sequence in particular, Pavel's uh, accent is very shaky. Uh, and the, su- <laughs> the suggestion is that, um, that Ed is not very interesting, but Pavel might be... Um, and like all this stuff comes together really quickly. In fact, w- there's some problems in this movie overall regarding when things happen, where it looked like a day has passed, but it seems like the things just continue from before. Right. So they were doing this show, and Neil got the call, and they must have set up like the reporters right away because the next thing we know, the reporters are uh, or Neil is showing April and her cameraman like the proton pack. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either that or Denver's the smallest city in the world. Cause... Or, I guess, uh, alternatively, Science Universe is like a six-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> so he's wearing, the, he's wearing the proton pack. And April, who, by the way, April, not a very nice character in this movie. She doesn't oh. really develop into nice uh, someone nice either. And it's very strange, especially because Neil is kind of a dickbag as well. So, so they're perfect for each other. So they're perfect for each other. So she asks him to fire it. Inside, <laughs> and though he seems uneasy about it, he then he says, "Sure, I'll do it." So he makes them back up a few steps, <laughs> and he uh, he shoots the uh, the stream from the proton pack, and it looks really good actually in this scene. It does. Uh, and he, uh, though we don't see it, uh, we get a sense of it. This he sets the ceiling on fire. They, they talk about how he's a professional, so he should be able to do it. And then he says, "I am a professional. The ceiling is now <laughs> the ceiling is now on fire, and I'm not worried." <laughs> <laughs> and then he uses a fire extinguisher on it, and I guess and I guess get- that was okay. I mean, and I don't know if they did this as a practical effect. It seems like it is, but like as he shoots the uh, fire extinguisher and at the ceiling, uh, a bunch of sparks come down. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> he then proceeds to show them the containment unit. And uh. by the way, I thought where this was going, and this is where it seems to go at first, is that he, because he's an idiot, 
will accidentally release all yeah, the souls. Yeah, that's absolutely where I thought the plot of this was going. And honestly, if that's how the plot of this had gone, it probably would have been a much better movie. Maybe. I mean, if it would be better in the sense that it would kick into action a lot right. sooner. Instead of taking right? another 40 minutes to do that. Right. And, but it also would have been the fucking dumbest way to set it up. It's like, <laughs> we need to set up a big, a big kind of foe for them to fight. And the way to do that is just have one of them being so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it certainly wouldn't speak well to him as a character. So he, what happens is um, Neil starts to type on a laptop that's hooked up to the containment unit, and immediately sirens start to go off. Of course. And then back at the show, uh, the Legend of Zelda theme plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what the fuck was that about? Well, it's Ed's phone uh, ringer. I know, but really. Be- be- because the 80s. And uh, he answers his phone and discovers from Neil that the containment unit is perjuring. <laughs> it's purging. Uh, and uh, Ed leaves his... By the way, how come in movies it seems like TV shows are always done live? <laughs> <laughs> when in real life that happens very, very rarely. Yeah, exactly. And, and yet I'd imagine a show like you know Science Universe... You wouldn't be able to do it live. Right. You know, you'd kind of want, I mean, especially if you're trying to do it for kids, you know, you're going to want those weird fast cuts and like the energetic music and like all this other stuff. And like, you can't really do that live. Right. Exactly. So uh, Ed says, Ed leaves his show and uh, leaves Pavel to cover for him. He for says, the I'll last be back minute. in six and I'll be there in six and a half <laughs> minutes. Right. But then he uh, gets stuck talking to a producer on the way out, which made him 30 seconds late. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, so at that point, actually, the we get one of those dumb Todd Sheets lines back at the Ghostbuster station, where the cameraman for the news segment said that he had a dream last night, which was where he was trapped in a movie and he couldn't get out because right. he's in a movie and he can't get out. He can't get out. So then Ed arrives and he stops the emergency immediately, and I was very confused by this. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I guess it would be designed so it wouldn't be very easy to accidentally release everything in it. Um, but uh, but it di- it wasn't where I thought it was going at all. He then elaborates a little bit at this point on how the containment unit works, and this is what we talked about before: that when a person dies, their energy disperses through the galaxy. But when it sticks around on Earth, they uh, they can convert. <laughs> he says he can convert this psychokinetic energy into a signal, which he stores inside a computer. Digital. Digital. Um, and uh, they hack the planet. Um, and, of course, but- they talk about, you know, they make the reference to uh, the fact that they have uh, fought some bad ghosts in the past. And they make a quick little motion and the camera pans over to uh, the uh, the Freddy Krueger sweat- uh, sweater hanging on the wall. At the point that I watched up to this point in the movie, I did not know there was a prequel. So I just thought this that was supposed to be like a fun reference. Yeah, I just <laughs> thought it was a fun little nod because... Uh, because I didn't know until you told me. Right. Right. Uh, Which was just before we started recording. Yeah. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. <laughs> now, the suggestion, by the way, at this point is that April is trying to make them look bad. Right. She's she's very combative in the way that she is portraying the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Well, I think she's supposed to be like the, um, oh, what's that actor's name? The William Ashton. Is that his William name? William Atherton. Atherton. Thank you. Uh, like that sort of character where, you know. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that, like, one of the main bad guys in Ghostbusters is a representative from the Environmental Protection Agency? <laughs> Played by William, William Atherton, one of the best assholes in movie history. So, good. He's so, good. Uh, so the Ghostbusters are trying to defend themselves. 
Uh, but eventually April and her cameraman leave Neil chases him, her down And uh, and basically tries to chat her up To ask her out I, 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 love, I love his line Where he's like I've got a 12 pack with your name on it <laughs> The, the fact that he says I have a 12 pack with your name on it is uh, That is very defining In terms of his character right. Again, it's not clever in the way that, that Peter Venkman would be kind of clever it's, He's just kind of a bro Yeah, exactly He's just being a douche But she can't go out A, because she doesn't like him And B, because she has an interview with Klaus Constantine yeah, Which is not a stereotype name at all well, whatever do you mean? <laughs> now, Klaus Constantine, the actor who plays this character, I think is the best in the movie by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's really good. Leaps and, and downs ahead of everybody else. Yeah, and he, he's the baddie, by the way. Klaus Constantine is the person who dug up some of these Egyptian uh, remnants and relics. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we cut to now is a news article uh, where a reporter is is talking to him about these findings. Um, and what he has discovered is the amulet of Anubis, who is an ancient guardian of the underworld. <laughs> yeah, he's well, he's the Egyptian, you know, uh, yeah, guardian yeah. of the underworld. underworld. <laughs> uh, and the, he does this interview sitting in a wheelchair in the middle of the desert. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it makes no fucking sense where they are. Just... But uh, then it cuts to Ed and Neil, who are watching this news broadcast, and it actually Ed is pretty concerned. Because he knows Anubis uh, in terms of, I, I suppose in this universe where you realize that almost every sort of weird spiritual god type thing is based on some sort of reality. Yeah. That uh, that Anubis is, um, I guess, responsible for escorting souls through the afterlife, and uh, these souls would be fed to Amit, the eater of the dead, who which would make them vanish into oblivion. So he's very concerned about the finding of this amulet. Understandably so. Indeed. So then uh, Pavel arrives, and uh, Neil, who was getting bored by the whole speech by Ed, says this. Pavel, we just did time. Ed's making another apocalypse prediction. And we're going to... I guess it's a fairly regular thing. I got, uh, I got to tell you, I got to, I got to tell you, that, that, that Neil character is just awful. It's really, he's really bad, especially yeah. because part of the plot of this movie involves him... It's supposed to be him sort of coming to terms with sort of being not an asshole, but like like he no, feels like kind he of, feels like he. No, I think I think him coming to terms with being an asshole is probably pretty accurate. But it, there's no transition. There's no character change. Oh no 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 no. Uh, that's true. That's true. So it's him uh, having the realization that he's an asshole, although nothing happens. You know, the, the difference between his character and a Peter Venkman, it, it's something you could talk about for quite a while. Sure. When you think about the introduction of the Peter Venkman character where he's doing the ESP test right. with the cards and he's intentionally zapping that guy and he's being a total dick and he's hitting on women, right? And mm-hmm. students at that. Yeah. And so he could come off as being a real awful piece of shit who is not fun to spend time with, but he's played by Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, that, that does sort of change the whole situation, doesn't it? So it's, it's possible that the characters are somewhat similar. It's just that this guy is this guy, and Peter Venkman is Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, and this, guy, and this guy is no Bill Murray. So Pavel and Neil decide to go out drinking, because that's what they want to because do. Because, of course. But Ed continues to watch the news article And the first suggestion That Klaus Constantine might be evil <laughs> Comes when he says this If this talisman actually carries the powers of Anubis 
I'd be interested in finding ways to harness them. Perhaps as a weapon? As a weapon. For the good of mankind, of course. Of course. <laughs> now, there's also something interesting about this talisman. We'll get a better look at it later. But what's interesting about the talisman, Mo? What the talisman is that mm. it's isn't it's the um uh it's the the oh god what do you, what do you call it the um mm-hmm. it's the headpiece for the thing from uh uh, uh Raiders of the Lost Ark right like the, I think it's the staff of Ra yeah, that they that's right on. the staff of Ra thank you yeah I mean it looks I don't know if it's an exact replica but it, but it, it looks, looks just like it, like it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we then follow Professor Constantine as he has the crate of these materials delivered to his house. Uh, and he's going to be kind of investigating it himself. He realizes the amount of power that is uh, that is there. This is one of the funniest parts of the movie. I, I think. love this scene. Yeah, love it. So this delivery guy brings the crate to his house, and just as he's about to leave, he stops and asks if yeah, the professor asks if, he wanna, if he wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese with them and try to pick up some milfs. Yeah, we're gonna go pick up some milfs. And so they have a little bit of back and forth, and then the professor says this. Is it so hard to believe that a man, that a man like me can find love? No, no. I mean, yeah, but, but it's not because you're crippled, all right? It's because you're not very good looking. And, and no, don't take that the wrong way. You know you're not very good looking. Just look at this guy. Quiet. <laughs> that delivery guy is good, man. He's so good. He's so good. The comic timing on that is fucking genius. <laughs> so Pavel and Neil are, are at an Irish pub, uh, which, by the way, this, like this whole part. Wait, hold on, out hold on. Just... Before, before we go on to this next part, uh, because we happen to catch a little glimpse of it in, uh, in that last clip. Did mm-hmm. you happen to notice that Klaus is in the squeakiest wheelchair of all time? <laughs> He's in a very squeaky wheelchair. <laughs> Every time he moves. <laughs> I like his character is a very interesting one. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But the way that he takes such glee and being a bad guy <laughs> is something that I appreciate. So this whole segment with Pavel and Neil at an Irish pub feels so un-Ghostbusters. Oh, God, I hate this. I hate yeah. That. Like, such a great moment followed up by such an awful one. So, like, they're talking, and Neil's kind of frustrated because he couldn't get a date with April, and Pavel says that he should have just asked her out. But guess what? He did. did. Right? He totally fucking did. Yeah. She just said no. Exactly. Uh, so, at this point, then, Pavel uses this really dumb line to pick up a woman next to him. Yeah, I didn't write the line down. I did, oh, so I'm going to say it. Thank goodness. I'll say it in my best Russian accent. Please. Hey, lady! <laughs> <laughs> can, can you say it not in your best Russian accent? <laughs> he goes, hey, lady, I know someone who wants to beat your ass. And she goes, oh, yeah, who? And he goes, my balls. Wow. That doesn't even make any sense. That's fucking, It does. Because when you have sex with a woman, the the balls... No, (laughs) thank you for that elaboration, Mo. But he said, I know someone who wants to beat your ass. Someone. Okay, fair enough. Ah, I don't think it makes any sense. But anyway, it works. stupid, but it works for him. And it's okay for it not to make sense, because I think even Neil is like, that that doesn't... (laughs) There's no way that should have worked. So at this point, Neil hears a guy next to him who's watching that article, the news article that that were filmed that day about the Ghostbusters on television, he's criticizing the Ghostbusters. Yep. And so they have a verbal altercation. 
What I love is the fact that this is that Neil was literally just on the TV. Yes. As a Ghostbuster. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and that this guy seems to not realize that he's now talking to the guy who was just on TV as Ghostbuster. Have you ever heard of face blindness? Um, yeah. This is a thing that, like, a certain portion of of the populace has where they, if people look similar, they get them confused all the time. I I've heard I read actually articles about this where people watch that movie The Departed uh-huh. and because even though there's almost I don't even think there's much similarity between Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon's faces at all I mean they're obviously blonde young guys people watched that and got confused throughout the whole movie because they kept being unable to tell the difference between the two huh that said that doesn't apply to this at all because uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally supposed to be the same person you're right uh, but maybe the guy looked up Saw the Ghostbusters article, and all he was like was like, oh, I hate the Ghostbusters or pieces of shit or whatever. Right. So they get into a verbal altercation, which eventually turns into this, Ugh. which will give you a very strong sense of the level of humor in this movie. Yup. What do we got here? Piss? <laughs> Is this uh, your, your beverage of choice at this final Oh, the music in the background. Smart mouth? Hey, you better watch what you say to me, stupid face. I'll say whatever I want, sausage tits. No, you won't, sausage face. Why don't you uh, stop repeating my insults and adding the word face to them, moron? Hey, relax, dumb rod. Okay. Hey, blow out your ass, you communist pig. So that was the entire. You can probably guess what happens after that part. Yeah, a really shitty cover of Black Black Betty plays. <laughs> you can hear the beginning of that shitty cover of Black Betty <laughs> yep. playing, uh, but a brawl immediately breaks out because yep, Pavel yep. tried to. The weird thing about that altercation, like that verbal one, is that is the Wilhelm scream. Well, yes, there's a Wilhelm <laughs> scream that happens momentarily during the yeah. fight, but no, the, but the, that audio clip that we just had. Neil doesn't come off as, like, a good guy. Obviously, this guy he's talking to is an asshole, but it's, like, <laughs> just the idea that when he picks up his glass and he's like, what do we have here? Piss? <laughs> is that your beverage of choice? That's, like, a bully thing to fucking do. Right, exactly. It's, uh, he's and just, also... He's just not nice at all. D- during the... And again, Peter Venkman is not a nice character. No. It just doesn't seem to work. I mean, during the fight, he puts a cue ball in a sock and starts hitting people with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote my notes here. What does this have to do with the Ghostbusters? Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I mean we're getting into the movie now. And, and it, you, though you can tell where it's going in terms of what the action is going to be, it's taking its time getting there. Yeah, this is... I mean, we're we're kind of finishing up the first act here and and moving into the second act which doesn't really exist it's all just kind of one big first act until we get to the third when things finally change back at the ghostbusters headquarters ed uh ed and the secretary are there ed's making an improvement to the proton pack actually he's making a new kind of proton pack called the the neutrino Neutrino pack pack. that's sort of arm mounted almost like a power glove type thing yeah um, and then they get a call, and it's Neil, and they need he needs help getting home from jail because yep. they were put in jail for their fights. And then they make the hilarious comment: "Ed does that. I guess I'll have to TiVo American Idol." Uh-huh. That's a reference that's not going to age badly. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, already, right? I mean, who has a fucking TiVo? Yeah, anymore? right. Exactly. Like any cable box you get now has DVR functions. So, again, the pop culture references in this. 
some of them are are amusing. I mean, amusing if you, or would be amusing in a regular low budget or no budget movie. But in the context of a Ghostbusters movie, they just feel really out of place. They make no sense. So. My understanding before was that April was going to interview the professor, but apparently it was <laughs> he thought it was a date, and it certainly looks like a date as they're returning home right. from a date. Exactly, because there's no <laughs> fucking cameraman there. <laughs> so uh, he obviously is quite enamored with her, uh, but she is not interested in anything other than uh, an interview. And he's trying to kind of be sweet on her and all of that, but then he gets a phone call that tells him that all of his funding has been pulled. Which, considering that he was just on the news the day before for a giant fi- finding, yeah, right, <laughs> seems like interesting and unfortunate timing. So uh, apparently, whoever is funding him, uh, they want him to be developing a weapon, and because it's taken him so long, uh, that uh, <laughs> he was being funded by a place called Lab Rat Enterprises. Yeah, a lot of thought was put into that one. So April, overhearing, uh, realizes that Klaus was not really interested in the good of mankind. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, which is weird, because he did specifically say he could make a weapon on the news broadcast. Uh, and then she slaps him because he's a big dickhead. Well, he is a big dickhead. And then he goes, how dare you strike me? I'm a powerful scholar. <laughs> and then she sprays mace in his face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now it's shown to be the next day. And this is important. Because uh, Ed is back at the TV station. It's during the day. Uh, he's being told that he's being thrown off his television show because he's not connecting with the younger audience. You know, this part cracked me up because, like, I, I don't know if it's just that my hearing has gotten bad or, mm-hmm. or what. But, you know, so, th- so yeah, like you said, they're, they're telling him that, you know, that they're going to that uh, they're go- he's losing the younger audience so <laughs> that they're going to replace him. Right. You know. And they bring in the, the the character who's supposed to be replacing him, and like like if I had heard the name of that character correctly, I would have had a much bigger laugh, you know, with it because it would have made more sense to me. But he comes in, and I hear them introduce the introduce the character as Mark. Oh, and I'm like, no, no, it's not Mark at all. <laughs> so half of my notes say Mark until I finally realize. <laughs> What they said the character's name was, which is, of course, LeVar. His name is, yes, LeVar. And, you know, you you know he's black because uh, before he comes in, the the person who's talking to Ed says they they wanted someone cooler and street smart, someone jive. (laughs) (laughs) And also, he also describes him as the black Black doogie Doogie Hauser. Uh, LeVar has some issues with Ed, not only because he's replacing him, but uh, he he considers that Ghostbusters uh, are enslaving the afterlife. Yup, they're making ghost slaves. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, that, that I thought that was a little heavy-handed. I, I didn't really care for that one. Do I mean, again, it's it is an extension of that part you do like about the movie. It's true, but but making LeVar a representative of that is. There's, that's troublesome because of what happens a little bit later. Right, exactly. So back home, the professor is working on the amulet, which again looks just like the one from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying a bunch of magic words, and it doesn't work, so he gets really frustrated, but then realizes that what he needs is a human soul to charge this amulet. You know what really cracks me up is that like this guy is supposed to be like a scholar of this sort of thing and like didn't know that. I like the idea that there isn't, there hasn't been like a really deep investigation into the 
reality of the human soul, considering that within at least two major cities, there are containment units that are full of them. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um I wonder why in the Ghostbusters universe these human souls end up looking so fucked up. Yeah, right. Exactly, because you think about it, you know, they're like when the ghosts come, they're not going to look like the dead bodies that they're, you know, that their physical forms would technically look like now, or even like Slimer, like what the hell, how'd that happen? You know? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> That guy was eaten by, like, a whale or something. Yeah, right, right. He's, like, partially digested, you know? Uh, um, you know, so, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the idea for the ghosts really doesn't make any sense. They should just look humanoid. They should just look, look like people. Or consistently the same in terms of not humanoid, fair enough, right? Fair enough, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so he sees, Klaus sees a news, or the news article, which, by the way, remember, we saw the news article during the previous night's news broadcast. Right. Which was at the bar. This is the next day, but he looks up and the news article is playing again. I guess it was just that popular. Or maybe he T voted. Maybe. And he learns about the Ghostbusters containment unit, which again, you would think everyone in the world would be aware of. <laughs> <laughs> so um, back to the. Um, the news building where April works and the guy who runs the place is very happy about the story. Um, uh, and, um, and April says that it was actually a really easy story to do. And now he wants her to do more work on the Ghostbusters. Yeah, he wants her to do a week long expose on the Ghostbusters. And the suggestion is he wants her to tear into them. Yeah. And if she does, then he'll make her an anchor. This guy who, who uh, plays the, um, the chief, the J Jonah Jameson. No, uh, the, the news guy, the head guy, uh-huh. he's not very good. No. He's really not good. He's got an accent, which helps, but like a real one, not yeah, like yeah. some of these other accents. Authentic accent. <laughs> but he's not very good. So uh, back to the professor. He goes to the Ghostbusters building. He rolls up to it, and he comes inside, and he goes, greetings. <laughs> uh, but the Ghostbusters themselves are out on a case. Uh, their unnamed secretary uh, says that she will make an appointment for him, but then he chloroforms her. I love the fact that she has such lack of any kind of awareness of what's going on around her that... <laughs> That the guy would be able to take out a chloroform bottle, put some on a rag, and then, like, it's not like he, like, got up behind her and chloroformed her. Like, he had to grab her and pull her towards him, Uh you know, and, and, like, there's a a million million ways that could have gone wrong for him, (laughs) and one way it could have gone right, and it just happened to... I wasn't sure what he was actually looking to do in this. I thought he was going to do something with the containment unit, but all he really wanted to do was steal one of their traps. Which kind of makes sense. Which makes actually a lot of sense, because what he wants is to trap a soul in it so he can then use it to charge his amulet. So after stealing the trap, he's actually behind the Ghostbusters building, and he runs into a bum. He squeaks his wheelchair out the the back. (laughs) And he runs into a fucking bum. Stupid hobos. (laughs) <laughs> and so that was with a uh, B. <laughs> so then he uh, uses the trap to steal this hobo's soul, and uh, this is what he says afterwards. And I really love how he ends this piece. Mm-hmm. Disgusting man! I have your pathetic soul. <laughs> My first one. <laughs> 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 he's so excited about it being his first soul. He's, he sounds so much like uh, like Emperor Zombie from uh, uh, from the Amazing Screw on Head. I, I, oh, right! I love it. <laughs> My first one. 
<laughs> so, wasting no time, the professor goes back to his apartment and does the magical ritual to charge the amulet with the bum's soul. And wearing this amulet um, immediately allows him to to stand up out of his chair and walk. Yeah, homeboy's got power now. He's got power. I don't really know how this power all works, but he is able to walk and able to open portals, or eventually will be able to open portals. Well, I have a sneaky to... suspicion that uh, that he, uh, that the writers of the film don't know exactly how it worked either, so it's okay. Uh, while this is happening, we get some outside views of Denver uh, with a lightning storm, which is done with the special effects, and it looks good. Uh, yeah, it does. I, it, it looks, it looks th- there good. was a time in the 80s, and in fact, during the Ghostbusters, the first movie's era, where like... Y- most of these movies, whenever there was a portal in the sky, and there was lots of them, or there was lightning effects, it was all done by Richard Edlund, and they all had that... They're great looking in the, in the sense that you can tell a lot of work went into them, yeah. but they they all look like... They don't look at all realistic. This lightning storm looked pretty good. No, it did, it, you know? Because it's not like it was too crazy. It was just, you know, a couple lightning bolts back and forth, nothing really insane. Then the Ghostbusters arrive at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, they have an argument outside, uh, Neil and Ed do, because Neil wants to try out this new pack, uh, and Ed is hesitant because if it goes critical, it can cause a 60 gigaton explosion. Or cause a black hole. I always think of that scene in Ghostbusters where they're on the elevator and they're talking about having nuclear accelerators <laughs> on their back. Right, right. <laughs> and how absolutely someone should take umbrage with the idea that there are <laughs> theoretically fairly unskilled people <laughs> with these <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's the movies, right? Yeah. Um, so, but he does eventually give in and allow Neil to use this weapon. This doesn't make any fucking sense. No, because he's already proven that he's that he's untrustworthy with the equipment. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and this I mean, one's like is literally really- like the day before, or like the day before that, depending on what timeline you're following. It, it also doesn't reflect well on Ed, uh, not just because of his willingness to allow him to use it, but because. Later, we discover it really isn't ready to be used. (laughs) So uh, one thing I really did like about this is that Ed uses a PKE meter that's in his cell phone. Right. uh, Which is a nice, that's a kind of updating type shit that really should be in the movie. Yeah, and of course it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. Which is hilarious. Uh, (laughs) I I love that uh, uh, Pavel. Pavel? I don't know why I keep wanting to say Pavlov. Uh, Pavel... um, Pulls out a uh, like a, a motion scanner, you know, mm-hmm. something very eerily, not eerily, but dead on reminiscent of Alien. Of Alien, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and intentionally so, of course. Right. Uh, so eventually they go inside the theater and uh, uh, two ghosts come out and they do not look very good. No, They're CG ghosts. They look bad. Um, the, while this is happening, the staff are sort of listening outside the... Uh, cinema, and then the professor arrives. I don't know why he came to where the Ghostbusters yeah, how were. Does, how does uh, Constantine know where they are? Well, maybe he's using the magic of the fucking... I, I, I don't guess, know. I guess. It still doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. No. The, and I guess his plan is to blame, like, like put a lot of uh, negative feelings towards the Ghostbusters, because what he does is he steals the souls of the staff of the theater, right. and... Uh, they all fall into comas because they don't have souls. I guess that's what happens. And the Ghostbusters get blamed for this. Right. But back inside the cinema, they've they've captured one ghost in the trap. Um, and uh, at that t- same time, the professor the professor calls the news agency to come do a story, like to come over and find out what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like trying to convince them to come over. He goes, "They're taking their goddamn souls." <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, and it's it's kind of funny too in this in this particular case because like uh, I don't I didn't write down what they said, and because it was so bad, I can't remember what they said. All I wrote right. in my notes here is the jokes in this are pretty bad. They really are. Like the next thing that happens is that Neil uses his power glove thing to write his name on the screen to yeah, burn it yeah, into the screen. Right? What an asshole! Yeah, that's such a dick move. Look, the part in Ghostbusters where they cause all that damage inside the hotel. That part is funny, be, like like when he tries to pull the the uh, tablecloth off and <laughs> yeah, smash yeah. That part's funny because the guy who runs the place is a complete He's asshole. An asshole, exactly. These guys. In this case, the staff looks really nice. Yeah, they were just being, they were just being, you know, doing their job. And yeah, those, so they those just... screens are not cheap. No, not at all. <laughs> so uh, Neil eventually shoots one of these ghosts, and uh, because he doesn't turn down the electron flow. In his proton pack thing, the ghost explodes, so he was able to destroy the ghost's soul. Right. And Ed gets very upset about this. He does. And Neil does, seems to be a little confused because he's like, I didn't know how it worked, which is, of course, a shitty thing for him to do. But really, I guess Ed should have told him that you could destroy a soul using this. Yeah, thing. right, exactly. I mean, you know, or, or a much better option not let the guy yeah, who doesn't know him. how to use this shit. Use the shit. Maybe not even bring it in the first place. Yeah, or, oh yeah exactly. Or there's another a novel concept. Don't bring it. <laughs> so they start to leave the cinema afterwards, and they discover that April is out there doing a news report uh, accusing them of putting all the staff into a coma. I don't know why they would get the blame immediately, especially because, like, in this reality, people must believe that ghosts exist. Right, exactly. So, like, why you think that they would be blaming the ghosts that they were there to bust as opposed to the Ghostbusters? Right, exactly. Because, and it's not even like you know, it's not even like in this universe, like there's uh, like a question about it. There's physical proof that ghosts exist. Yes, you know, exactly. Like uh, that have been caught on camera right, existing, right. especially it's, if the events of Ghostbusters happen exactly. in this universe. Uh, then it switches to a really fake newscast because it's a movie. But there's such a great joke in this newscast that I really, I really enjoyed. If you were reading the uh, the, the 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 banner headline on the bottoms, you know, um, the scroll, uh, mm-hmm. one one of them says "terror level ri- uh, raised to greenish purple." <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, that that's a pretty good joke. I, I kind of got to get that. <laughs> that's not bad actually. Yeah. And then the news reporter says that coma victims are piling up across the city. You think at that point it would be hard to blame the Ghostbusters, right. but they do. Yeah, of course. Uh, so before they leave, Neil talks to April, and he's like, he, she goes, she, he's like, why are you, uh, why are you trashing us on the news, basically? And she says that bad news is the only news that sells. In reality, she's been told that if she does this expose, that she'll be giving given an anchor position. Right, exactly. So it has nothing to do with like you know what she thinks like the right stories to do is. It's because she's doing it for purely selfish reasons. Purely selfish reasons. Yeah. Then something really weird happens in that she says, "I don't think you're bad," and then she tries to caress his face, even though. There's been no affection between the two of them at all. Right, exactly. In fact, there has been nothing but, like, you know, uh, uh, animosity or, like, yeah, bad, you know, absolutely. bad feelings between the two of them. And then he tr- – even after what she just told him, and now she, they both have come off really terribly, he asks her out to dinner, and she says yes. So weird. It's fucked up. There's no consistency in terms of these characters in particular. Yeah. So they head back to the uh, Ghostbuster headquarters, and there's people outside campaigning for ghost rights. Of course. Again, just like the dead next door. Uh, they get inside, and the secretary is asleep, and I couldn't remember 
that she had been chloroformed. So I'm like, why is she asleep? <laughs> so she was asleep like the whole day. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because uh, in the time that she's been chloroformed, um, the professor has managed to s- trap several souls. Trap the bum, charge up his thing, yeah. then go and trap all those other ones. Yeah, right. and apparently do more than that, too, because the news reporter said that it's been happening all over the city. Right. But it's the ghost. So, but it's the Ghostbusters' fault. Yeah. So, <laughs> so by the way, once they return to the office, Neil is like bragging about having this dinner with April, which is such a shitty thing to do, considering she's trying to ruin their career. Yeah. So that then uh, it then transitions to the date itself. They go out to dinner. He doesn't just get a, a, a six pack. Uh, but while that's happening. Two men in black style agents appear. <laughs> and they talk to the secretary. At first, I didn't realize what was going on here, actually. Yeah, it took me a so- second, too, because uh, until they finally did the pull away shot where they show the guy on the ground. No, I, I had no idea what the hell was going on. There's some weird editing here, too, because they're talking to her, right? Mm-hmm. And about how the bum ended up there and all that kind of stuff. And then they have this dumb conversation about her watching Batman oh, and Robin. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, let's, let's listen to this. Wait. Batman and Robin? The television show or the crappy George Clooney movie? I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, please. All the cool, icy, chill, freeze analogies. My God, the Batsuit had nipples on it. Okay. First of all, we need to get this man to a hospital. Second, any movie with Uma Thurman in it is okay in my book, man. Huh? So that was a worthwhile yeah, tangent. I, I'm, sh- I'm sure we could think of a few Uma Thurman movies that aren't that good. <laughs> uh, yeah, The Avengers. <laughs> hey, interesting uh, little sideline note here. The Avengers is one of the three movies that when I saw them, I stood up at the end of the movie and declared it the worst movie I'd ever seen. Did you say it in front of the whole I did. Cinema? I stood up in, my, in the theater and said, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> well, okay, that does beg the question. What are the other two? Um, oh God, I know one of them I saw like the week after, but I can't fucking remember what it was because my sister brought. Was it Ballistic X versus Sever? Oh no, I've never seen Ballistic <laughs> X versus Sever because I know it'll be up there. <laughs> it's not so bad. No, it is. It's, it's fucking pretty horrible. fucking terrible from what I hear. But that, that's, that's the one I remember. I, there were two oh. others. I just can't fucking remember off the top of my head. Well. We'll have to look up when movies were released that year. <laughs> uh, so this this uh, this next part of the sequence is very weird because these guys were talking to her, and then suddenly we see that Ed is there as well, though he they didn't show him before. But he's down there like scanning the body it and shows shit. Up. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of weird. But this is where he discovers that uh, man has no soul. What is he? A politician? <laughs> <laughs> that something stole the guy's soul. Yeah. Uh, and the cops suspect that the Ghostbusters has something to do with it. Uh, also, at this point, a protester, it's actually LeVar, I think. Yeah, Mark shows up. <laughs> uh, he arrives and yells at them and throws his sign, and then the cops chase him, mm-hmm. which uh, which is just what happens. Yeah, I well, I mean, obviously, it's, it's an excuse. Here's the, here's the crazy part, is that that whole thing happens so that they have an excuse to take the body inside to examine it. Exactly. And they never go back to it. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. That 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 happens for some reason. It seems like it's going to allow them to get more insight by examining the body, but we don't see that happen. No, it cuts right to Neil dropping April off after the date, which I also love the fact that they never. That we didn't. We, we don't see a second of what happens on the date. 
we see her getting into his car and then arriving home. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I love how it seems like wherever Neil goes, he's being mocked by someone. Yeah, actually, I do kind of like that. So <laughs> he, he he brings her to her apartment, and they hug each other goodnight, and uh, uh, then she goes into her apartment, and he starts to leave, and a repairman, who, by the way, it's, the, it's supposed to be late at night, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's, he's like, I'm going to work on this. He, the repairman makes fun of him for not getting to kiss her. Uh, think so, it'd be a lot. You'd think it'd be a lot easier to work on a uh, on a light in in a stairwell. <laughs> I don't know during daytime. During the daytime, I guess it was a, t- a time uh, timely. It had to be done right then. Uh-huh. And that's then they they have this exchange. Yeah, whatever. But you haven't been late in years. Kiss my sack. <laughs> I, that's my favorite Neil line in the that, whole movie. I like actually that actually is the, like the best Neil line in the whole. Movie. I like that he's he's already gone down the he's stairs. He's just yelling up to him, kiss my sack. <laughs> he left a little too quickly because, uh, as we discover, as April went into her apartment, the professor is in there waiting for her, mm-hmm. and the professor must have been in there for a while since there was a guy outside her door <laughs> doing repairs. Uh, so. Um, he is uh, the professor gives her one more chance to change her mind and join him as uh, like I guess his wife or something. Um, and but she's most upset about the idea that he's standing now and believes that he was pretending to be in a wheelchair the whole time. Yeah, because that's the important part. So they struggle. Like uh, he grabs her, and uh, the repairman actually bursts in uh, to see what's going on. And she says that uh, everything is okay and that uh, would. The repair guy escort him out of the building. Right. Escort the professor out of the building. Right. And we all know what's going to happen to him now. Yeah. So uh, April sort of doomed him for all eternity. <laughs> but here, here's the crazy part is that so it's pretty obvious that the professor, uh, Klaus, um, stole the soul of the repairman. Yet, yet. April shows up at the at the Ghostbusters headquarters like almost immediately after. Oh no, I guess it would have been the next morning. The next morning because yeah. he shows up for breakfast. Yeah, right. So so in the time between the night pre and the next morning, um, no one found the repairman's body. I mean, I mean it's possible that because we don't see what happens, he could have hid the body. But yeah. that's not even the weirdest part. The weirdest part is that she didn't do what you thought she did, in the sense that you think she immediately would yeah, have right. called Neil. And it took me a second to realize, oh, right, that's the next fucking morning. Yeah, but it's also weird that she just shows up at their place yeah. during breakfast. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pavel's making blintzes. Uh, so she, they're all like eating breakfast around the table, and she's kind of explaining what happened to her. Um and they also have a, com- a conversation because Neil thinks that if you look into the light of the trap, that it can make you impotent. Well, that's – oh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We also discover – now, there's a hint. It's hinted earlier in the movie when the news article is on TV that Pavel recognizes Professor Constantine. Right. And and this is where we discover that actually they have a history together. He was once a student of his. And this is what leads to Neil – Getting super upset and leaving the fact that Pavel, for some reason, uh, that he didn't know about this part of his past. Well, and, hold on, and let's and let's not forget that uh, that it was during this scene where they where they kind of realized what the professor's doing, right? You know, because obviously April tells them that that uh, that the professor has something that seems like one of their traps, right? And uh, I believe it was, I believe it's Ed uh, quotes uh, Doctor Stans, you know that uh, that. 
that like um, the soul is through the eyes, you know, and that right. if you were to look at the uh, the trap, it would steal your soul essentially. Again, that is a really interesting element that they've put into the right. mythos here. Yeah, exactly. So there's so there's a couple of I mean, like there really are a couple of very interesting ideas that 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 are floating around in this movie that could very easily be you know that could fall into like the true canon of Ghostbusters, but it's just like, it's why does the rest of it have to be so bad? This movie, the the way the comedy works is weird too, because the comedy mixes with, no, I wouldn't say like really serious scenes, but with the dramatic scenes, and it's so uneasy, right? Like this part, we're supposed to be like, oh no, Neil, don't go, but he's leaving for a really not a good reason yeah, at all. Right, right. It doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then there's a sort of funny conversation about Neil having an ego. Yeah, and then April is, re- refuses to tell him he doesn't have an ego, which right. makes him even more upset. Um, we also discover at this point that the government has taken all of their equipment because they've been blamed for the recent uh, for the recent uh, uh, comas. Right, and, and yet we don't see that happen either. No, I cannot. <laughs> we, then they'd have to show how much equipment they had, right. which probably isn't a lot. No. <laughs> but Ed says, it's, thankfully, they haven't uh, yet taken the containment unit, which I can see why he'd be happy they haven't done that yet. Yeah. <laughs> and then April says, the Ghostbusters are finished, which seems very defeatist, considering this has all happened in like a 24-hour span. <laughs> There's a great moment here, though, because uh, right, right after all this happens, there's sort of an explosion you know, yes. And there's this fountain, basically, of, of souls coming, pouring out, and, uh, and they realize that it must be uh, uh, the professor, you know, right. done opening it. a portal. Right. But there is this great moment, and something you never see, you know, in, in, like, movies about ghosts and stuff, is there's a car driving down the street, and it almost hits a dinosaur ghost. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome, because you never <laughs> see dinosaur ghosts. Like, I, I thought that was great. <laughs> that is pretty great, yeah. though. It, now that does beg the question about all sorts of things having to do with animals. Right, and... right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, it brings up some really uh, terrible questions. But also, just the way that, like, this sequence is very much like in the first Ghostbusters movie when the containment unit is breached and all of the ghosts escape. Right. So like, you I get sort of them directly from there. Yeah. Right. So there's a montage of these ghosts appearing all over the place. But why are there ghosts appearing all over the place? They they describe that what's opened as a soul NATO. So it's I guess. But are these the souls of the people that the professor has captured, or are they coming through the portal that he's opened? Yeah. Exactly. It's it's really it's kind of tough to 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 say. So I, then, but <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll let you continue with this. This is <laughs> this is such a great random fucking moment in this movie. So this dude. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, of course, he's an Asian man. He's an Asian man. He notices a bird-like creature on a building. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a pterodactyl, like a pterodactyl, like an archaeopteryx sort of thing, or a winged serpent, right. so to speak. Right. A like ghost, Q. obviously. Like Q. Like Q. That's exactly right. <laughs> so he sees it, and this is his reaction. Oh, you're big. You're big. Yeah. All right. Destroy me. Yeah. Yeah! Destroy me! Yeah! 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 Give it! <laughs> so, in case you can't tell what was happening there, he, he takes out his camera and he's saying, Yeah, destroy me! Like, I guess it's like a fashion photographer, right? Where he says these things. But it comes off so fucking weird. It comes off so, like, perverted and oddly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's very weird. 
And he says, destroy me. And then, yes, he gets destroyed, of course. Of course. Um, th- <laughs> now, like, just like that sequence just a moment ago was very reminiscent of the containment unit being breached from the original Ghostbusters. Yeah, this is, now this we- is almost a, an exact, you know, reenactment of the reaction to the containment <laughs> uh, unit being breached in the first Ghostbusters. I think there's, by the way, there's less than a half hour left. At yeah, this yeah, we, yeah we, we got about 20-ish minutes left of the movie before the trip. So... Ed and Pavel are talking to the mayor. Of course, Neil has already gone off in a huff. You think in the case of this giant portal being opened, uh, well, he doesn't know what's happening somehow. He doesn't know he's what's missing. happening, even though, I mean, I guess he's been staring at his you know, feet the entire time. Uh, so uh, the mayor is very agreeable right away, and he says that this is not going to happen in Denver, and he gives them all their equipment back, and so they're going to tackle this problem. Uh, this is the point where Neil is shown on a bench. He's very forlorn because of... Uh, the very stupid reason that he left, and I guess maybe the the burgeoning relationship with April and what's going on with that. Right. A little a little kid starts talking to him, um, and, it, crack, and it cracks me up because the little girl who starts talking to him is smarter than him. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the movies. Uh, she says that I hear fighting builds character. My parents have a lot of character. I like that joke. So uh, she also mentions that uh, that her parents and her are leaving the city, and he goes, "Why?" And she goes, "Haven't you been paying attention?" And then she points to a giant portal of like (laughs) flame. (laughs) But she then shows that she recognizes that he's one of the Ghostbusters, and she goes, "Are you going to save us?" Which is all the motivation he needs to not be fucking a wuss and (laughs) sitting in his own. Misery. And I, I get such I get such a kick out of the fact that like here's this family who are like playing in a park, you know, like they didn't th- like they didn't I know they didn't leave immediately when all this shit started happening. They were just like, oh, I'm in a park. Yeah, because I imagine that the streets are not packed full of fucking right. people trying to get out of the city, or right? Screaming get, and getting out of Denver, Colorado. Random. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Ed and Pavel, they get into their ghost vehicle. By the way, we didn't talk about the ghost vehicle. Like their, 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 their Ecto? Yeah, it's like a hatchback as opposed to... It's like a Nissan like, Murano. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it looks nice. No, it looks good. Sense. It actually it does. It looks really good. But it is. it certainly isn't as iconic as the regular Ghostbusters no, no, vehicle. No. Yeah, like a lot of the guys who I know, because like I said, I have the friend who does the Ghostbuster thing. Like he's always posting pictures of other groups and their ectos, you know. And it, and like some some of those ones, they're always like hearses or old ambulances, right. you know, which is what they should be, you know. And it's 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 some of those things are awesome looking though. I yeah. Tell you. So. Um, they hop into uh, Ed and Pavel. They hop into the vehicle, and April and the cameraman. They pop into the back, and they say that they're going to come along too. They then arrive at the location, the I guess the professor's apartment building, um, and they start. Uh, the The Ghostbusters go inside, and they start uh, broadcasting from outside. And uh, the news guy, the guy who runs the newsroom, he notices what they're broadcasting, and he sends it out across the country. I don't know how, but sure. He has that power. He's like, interrupt all the stations. <laughs> and this leads to this happening, where you hear a, one of the uh, news broadcasts. You, you get kind of a quick montage of people watching this broadcast all over this, the country. I got to tell you, if, that, if this is how she's describing the action as it goes down, she should not be a news reporter. <laughs> well, have you seen her competition? Fair, fair enough. <laughs> so this is what it sounds like. 
Some sort of ghost tornado erupting from downtown Denver, a tornado, if you will. Denver at this point has been evacuated. The mayor sent out another warning. What? <laughs> okay, two things. Two great things about this. One, the broadcast interrupts somebody watching uh, Cindy Lauper's video for The Goonies Are Good Enough, yep. which you heard a little bit of at the beginning mm-hmm. of that clip. And the second thing is that at the very end of the clip, you hear someone saying, What? And who is that person? Uh, just the randomest, most, like, the oddest cameo ever. We get uh, a cameo, and he comes back several more times. Yes. You know, always with just reaction shots. But it's uh, uh, James Rolfe, who most people would know better as the angry video game nerd. Yes, uh, who is also a, well, not only a fan of no-budget movies and low-budget movies, yeah. uh, that if, if you've ever watched any of his stuff, but makes him himself, last year made his own movie, the Angry Video Game Nerd Movie. Which was movie. pretty bad. Which was not very good, unfortunately. Pretty- uh, <laughs> but this was back in 2007 when, uh, when the idea such a thing was just a beautiful dream. Yeah. You know, one thing about this movie, and it might seem a really minor thing, is that the aspect ratio of this movie is really wide. It really is. And it it actually does not serve the movie well because there's no the, the composition there, there is no composition usually in the shots it's not well composed mm. uh, there's nothing nothing particularly memorable about it but it it kind of it it actually made some of these sequences more difficult to watch I found well it certainly made him difficult for me to watch and take notes at the same time because <laughs> like it, like the the amount of screen that I could have up at my computer at any moment while still having my my notepad you know open as well just it it made it very hard to watch (laughs) we're not saying that they should have designed the movie to make it easier for us to take notes (laughs) what what i mean is that it it just seems like almost an affectation it doesn't it to to look more like a movie but it doesn't it 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 actually makes it look kind of lower rent because it's better to use everything that you have right sure um, so, yes, so the building, the Solnado, <laughs> which I don't think a news reporter, I, I get she, she's trying to, to coin the term Solnado. Um, <laughs> a Solnado, a Solnado, to coin a phrase. Yeah, to coin a phrase. So uh, they head into the building, Ed and Pavel do. We also see for a moment LeVar, he's outside putting a gun in a bag and going in as well. Uh, the professor explains himself why he's doing all this because it is kind of a question mark. Doesn't seem like it's benefiting him as, as outside of just being able to walk. Right. Uh, he he says and that he wants to cleanse the world of evil. And then Pavel, of course, who was one of his students, he goes, "Not everyone is evil." And he goes, "You can't make an omelet without breaking eggs." Sure. They do also try to blast him with their proton pack, but that has no effect at all. Fails. But then the professor says some magic words, which makes a ghost dragon appear. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's great though. There's like, because um, this is another great moment. Like, how much of this next clip do you have? Do you have just the part where she says where what you wrote down, or or do you have the bit before that as well? I think I have a little bit before that as All well. All right. Well, we should we should play this. Then. Let's play it. So let's see what I have. There's a giant ghost. Dragon thing flying over Denver. Ghost dragon thing. <laughs> Holy shit. Giant what? monster that looks like the ghost of Falcors terrorizing downtown Denver. <laughs> See, that's that's a reference. Why would they make that reference on the news? On the news, right? It's like, it looks like the ghost of Falcor. <laughs> <It's the> Falcor. <laughs> ah, 
Uh, so Ed decides that he's going to take care of the dragon and Pavel's going to take care of the professor. Ed heads up to the roof in order to do that, where he runs into LeVar, who he thinks is going to help him, but LeVar is actually there to stop him. Ed. Yeah. Yes, he's going to put him under citizen's arrest, but then LeVar sees the dragon and decides to set aside their differences so Ed can take care of the dragon. Oh, by the way, this is the point in my notes where I wrote, wait, I wrote, wait, his name is LeVar? (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, it's Mark the entire time of him. (laughs) So Ed and LeVar actually go down to the Ghostbusters vehicle because the vehicle has a proton cannon on its roof. I actually thought that was pretty cool. It was pr- that whole this whole sequence of them like this, blasting this, at just the for thing. the record. This is the moment where the movie starts to get good. Yeah, it does. Which I guess fifteen minutes left to it. Yeah, I think maybe not even that if you consider actual content. Uh, back with the professor, he wants Pavel to still be his assistant, um, and, and he says money and power will be yours. And Pavel's like, but there'll be no one to share it with. And then the professor reveals that if people accept him as a god, they will be spared. Yay. <laughs> So that's going back and forth with the other with uh, Lavar and Ed shooting at this ghost dragon with their proton cannon on the top yeah. of the vehicle. So, that, so uh, by the way, this this makes this marks the second time that um, that the professor is a one to one analog for Emperor Palpatine. Yes, very much yeah. so. So explain to me. They decide that what they're going to do is herd the the ghost dragon thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. Their plan is very strange. It's basically it, it it's on top of a building, and then they blow up the top of this building with their proton right. cannon, and it doesn't get herded as much as it drops into the ground and dies. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I guess it's supposed to get engulfed by the flames, but I don't understand why why it being engulfed by flames would would hurt it when a fucking proton cannon won't. And it's supposed to be a ghost, so you think it would obey the laws of all the other ghosts yeah, as well? Exactly. Oh my! <laughs> and as it as it dies, and because I guess this is also being broadcast somehow <laughs> across the country, uh, this is what the, you get the reaction both from the guy earlier from the bar, and once again from the angry you video know, you game. Didn't, nerd. You didn't even need to say that; they would have heard it and knew exactly who it was. I don't know if they necessarily maybe. Would. maybe. <laughs> well, that does it for stupid snake face. <laughs> you saw, you kicked its ass. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's Jim. <laughs> well, I'm glad you found that amusing, Mo. <laughs> I think I could do anything, and I'd laugh at it. All right. Um, but uh, th- that's not the end of the story. Even though the ghost dragon, you think he could have just brought out like a dozen ghost dragons and really helped him out, right? but I don't know. Uh, so Lavar and Ed, they then arrive back at the building to help Pavel. Lavar is now dressed as one of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't know where he got his uniform, but th- that's what's happening now. He's the official fourth Ghostbuster. Um, they all so now a portal has been opened into a wall, and this is a, po- a portal to some alternate universe with evil demons in it. Uh, that Anubis guy or whatever. Right now, here, here's the part that I don't understand: is that so? At some point, I mean, I, I guess it must have happened off. Well, obviously it happened off off screen, but I mean, right? Uh, you know, so if we cut back to, to and now, without uh, Constantine trying to stop them at all, uh, Ed ends up setting up like a, like a like an array of traps around. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It I don't get no it. No fucking I... sense. So he sets up the trap and he takes. Um... 
I'm trying to remember the the order of this. I know that so they they the portal is open and that weird horse headed creature starts to come through. Exactly, and that looks really terrible. They all start blasting the creature. Uh, all even Levar does, and they all blast it, but it's not enough. And then Neil arrives with the proton pack the, thing, the neutrino pack, the, the neutrino pack, and starts blasting it as well. I think he says "bad dog, no biscuit," which is pretty amusing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, and uh, and that works. Uh, they're able to blow this creature back, and but then the professor goes through the portal as well. Right. And, and, and here's where Ed says that there's enough energy in that dimension to fuel his amulet, which is kind of a strange thing to say. And uh, but this is where it all comes together. What happens, Mo? Uh, Neil's pack starts to overload. It overloads, and remember that it has. The, I mean, it literally, if it was to explode, it would destroy the entire city. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the entire yeah, world. Yeah, I was say, or if it caused a black <laughs> hole, the entire world. So uh, they're very lucky that uh, that this exact situation happened because they take the pack and they throw it through the portal. Uh, where it explodes and it's a big fucking explosion, and it—I guess—it destroys the portal and maybe destroys that world as well. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: mm-hmm. there is a massive fucking explosion. Yeah, it's big, like, massive, like blows the top off of this building. But they're all standing there. Yep. Okay. And they showed like a shockwave that goes through the city. Yeah. I mean, it looks. I mean, it looks like a megaton bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off. Exactly. Like it's just. It looks like a lot of fucking damage is going to happen from this thing. And then fucking stupid ass April chimes in with this. Yes, this is what she decides. <laughs> I think it was a little premature even to say this, but yeah, this is what she exactly. Says. She has no idea what the fuck just happened. It looks like the world will keep its souls after all. Oh, shut up. Good news broadcast, April. <laughs> anyway, what you didn't understand, Mo, is that if you're at the epicenter, right, if you're at the very center of this explosion, yeah. it all reverberates outwards, but you're fine. It's like being in the eye of the tornado. Oh, please. <laughs> Even as your building is collapsing around hey, fine, you. Fine, fine. If that's the case, then why is April still alive? Yeah, that's a very good question, actually. <laughs> So at this point, Ed and Neil, they make up and they hug. Uh, LeVar refuses to hug Pavel because gay panic. Yeah, I got a, a bit of a kick out of uh, out of Pavel trying to hug LeVar. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so April at that point, by the way, she realizes uh, that there's no sign of the Ghostbusters. Uh, and then they come out and um, that's... There is a news article like they do the thing. They're talking to Ed. Uh, well, they're, first they're talking to Neil, and they're wondering like, how are they going to return the souls to the rightful owners? <laughs> and then Ed talks a bunch of fi- uh, shit. Herb, yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but and you then know he what? At least, to... at least they made it funny. Where where Ed's like, I have no idea what's going on. Can can we cut? Can we edit this out? It's like, no, no, no. We're we're live. <laughs> right, right. And then Neil uh, finishes off this part by uh, she she he says, "I'll call you maybe," which is a good response because again, April's been terrible to him and terrible to the Ghostbusters, so he really shouldn't have any more affection. And you know, I was like, yeah, okay. Even though Neil's a dick, he's blowing her off, and he's like, yeah, he doesn't need that in his life. Right. But then they do another montage of. Them uh, receiving awards and and uh, and covers of magazines, which also shows him proposing to her. Yeah, yeah. and also Ed returns to co-host Science of the Universe with Lavar. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that leads right into the credits. Yeah, well, there is a there's a really uh, I, I liked the way they they like ended quote unquote the movie. Uh huh. There's that. There's a ghost holding a sign that says Hollywood or bust. And I, I yeah, I, I yeah. like that. Because that because that ghost actually has a really funny moment earlier 
in uh, in the in the film as well. One of the other montages. That's yeah, right. where he's where he's trying to uh, he's trying to get onto a bus, but, but <laughs> the bus drives by him, so he kind of does a face palm and then starts walking. Uh, in the, in this montage, they also show that the franchise, the Ghostbusters franchise, expands around the country as well. Um, but there's one other thing to note. Okay, so this montage is to the tune of Ray Parker Jr.'s "I Want a New Drug" um, <laughs> slash the Ghostbusters theme. Right. Um, and then right at the end, as it goes into the actual closing kind of scrolling credits, it transitions into another song. Oh my God. And this song is called Soul to Soul by a band called River Seed. This song and- is so fucking bad that I had, that, I mean, like it was like I was entranced by it. I sat here and I listened to the entire song. So I'm like, this is so bad. All right. So you're going to hear the opening part, not the whole fucking song. Oh, you that would play just the kill whole you. fucking song. It okay? You got to hear it, and then we'll talk okay. about it. <laughs> Already starting poorly. Yeah. I'm glad to see the gods Godsmack is still getting work. Yeah, right? Okay, that's enough of that. Only chance. <laughs> I'm afraid no ghost. Uh, I mean, and this remember this is 2007 that this movie. Yeah, came that out. was kind of the Not, height of new metal. No, but you, oh, you know, know what? It really, really wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. It was like it was probably five years that's, after it, right? That's a really good point. But it does sound just like a shitty, like, Godsmack yeah. song, or like, yeah, I mean, or like a, uh, one of those other bands that I don't want <laughs> to One of those other bands. <laughs> Power Man 5000 or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, especially especially coming after the Ghostbusters theme, <laughs> which I'm not trying to pretend is some sort of beautiful classic song, oh, but it's certainly... Makes fucking sense. Yeah, and also it, it it's obviously not serious and that song sounds like these guys are like oh we gotta have this <laughs> fucking intense rock song to close this thing nope. it just comes off so goofy oh, so, yeah. uh, nothing particularly notable about the credits yeah. except for we do get uh, the Fonzie no ghost design which is uh, you might remember that the uh, logo for Ghostbusters is a ghost looking out, out of like a uh, um, uh, like one of those uh, like a circle with a cross yeah Circle cross, and for the sequel movie, they had one with like the ghost putting its two fingers right. out. Well, for this, they have a ghost with its two thumbs up, so that's why it's the Fonzie no ghost ah. design. Though I don't remember them. Like, is that what they have on their uniforms? I wish should have noticed. Hey. No, I have no idea. Hey. I don't think All so. Right. But anyway, they, they do show it briefly during the closing credits, and that's it. That's the return of the Ghostbusters from two thousand seven. It's not terrible. I no, mean, again, no, it's it a, has it, moments. Obviously, we, yeah. you know, I mean, we went all we went over everything that's good. We went over everything that's bad. It has its moments. Would I ever watch this again? Not a chance in hell. Like at the end of it, all I thought was, and I think I may have mentioned this at the very beginning. Why didn't I enjoy this more? I like the Ghostbusters. The, they all seem to be like everyone making it seem like they had a good time, yeah. uh, and and you know they're they're into the spirit of everything. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> but. 
it just this movie just didn't work for me, and I didn't have any fun with it. And I like I don't even think my expectations were too high. I had zero it just felt, expectation. Yeah, I it just felt like they just didn't put enough into the script to make it feel like a Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's movie. the problem. Is it is it lacks the atmosphere of a Ghostbusters film? And and it's weird because they have the the props and they have the uniforms and they have the kind of general storyline of what you'd expect. It just doesn't all add up to, I mean, really it's, it's exactly what you would fear out of a remake of Ghostbusters where it's it, all the pieces are there, but it doesn't add up to anything. Exactly. So the return of the Ghostbusters, not a movie that I would particularly uh, recommend. One of the things on the IMDb page for return of the Ghostbusters is it suggests that the plot is referenced in the Ghostbusters video game from a few years ago. The plot of this? Yeah, or something about this is referenced in that game. Huh. I looked up uh, whether I could find what that was, or maybe it was just... Maybe the makers of the movie thought that, that it was when it was just sort of a coincidence. Yeah, I don't know, because I, I played that game, so I, I mean, I really don't... For those who haven't played that video game, by the way, it's as close to... Uh, an official Ghostbusters 3 is there probably will ever be. Yeah, it's it's a really enjoyable game. I mean, the controls aren't great, but it's it's a, it's it's pretty fun. It's fun. It's got the voices of the four key uh yeah. and and more characters right. too from it. So I mean, if if you haven't, at least pop onto YouTube and watch a let's play of yeah, it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> watch somebody play through it. You can hear Bill Murray sound really bored. Yeah, he's the sound, yeah man. He's he's he is like he is like approaching uh, Garfield territory. <laughs> bored he was doing the voiceover for that. <laughs> Do you have any regrets? Uh, Garfield Ghostbusters video yeah, game. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's enough of that horse shit. Yes. Because though we just finished one movie that was picked by a uh, a fan of the show, we must we must now transition to another. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh my God. Did you not know this? I didn't know this. Yeah, I have actually already told you, Mo, what this movie is going to be. And once I say it again, you'll be like, oh, that's right. Listener and Patreon contributor uh, Jessica Garcia, a okay. very good friend of No Budget Nightmares, mm-hmm. she has she actually gave us a, a, a couple to choose from because she wasn't sure whether we were going to, whether they would fit or not. I always appreciate that. But I said, it's time. It's time. It's, it's Vader time. Vader time. <laughs> Time for us to cover from 1989 the Canuxploitation classic. Oh right, yes. <laughs> Things yes! directed by Andrew Jordan, written by Andrew Jordan and friend of the show Barry J. Gillis. Yeah. Yes, we will be covering on the next episode of the No Budget Neighbors podcast 1989's Things. And one of the things things we've mentioned before, <laughs> uh, we might not have actually ever said it on the show. This is a, a movie that Mo loves. It's a movie I love. I love it. And we, of course, would have already covered this, except when we first started the podcast, and Mo was also podcasting regularly doing Drunk on VHS, he had recently covered things on it. Yeah, I had just recently covered it on the show, and I had also written a, uh, done a written review for it um, not too long before that. So it was really just like a little too fresh. He was a bit burned out on on the things. Uh, Dude, I, I've topic. watched things like seven times since then, so I, I I don't think I could ever get too burnt out on things. But <laughs> the the funny thing is, what, that incident like that was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, so the fact that I've I mean, you got you got to even admit the fact that I've watched things seven times in two years is pretty wild. 
Yeah, that is pretty wild, actually. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, Things is one that, that uh, a lot of people have asked us to do in the past, and it's time. And, and I'm, thank you, Jessica, for finally getting us off our dumb asses to, uh, to, to, to put this in front of our eyeballs and then talk about it at length. Uh, I think it's, this one's going to be a lot of fun. The irony is I probably won't even need to watch it. I'll just, I mean, like, I know that movie like the back of my fucking hand. I mean, I'm going to watch it, obviously, but I'm just... <laughs> you, you can educate the rest of us, and I will give my Canadian perspective on it, right, of course. Right, exactly. Um, before we finish up the episode today, uh, that, we should that mention that... That episode's going to be like nine hours long. <laughs> I, can talk, should... I can talk about that movie forever. It'll be an extra special episode. You know, you know Barry, uh, Barry Gillis uh, wished me a happy birthday on, on, on my birthday, which, was, which that, was at the beginning of the month? That's extremely nice that of him. Uh, also... I mean, He's very communicative on social media. Uh, if you if you want to follow him, of course, and I imagine there will be at least some contribution once this episode uh, gets released, for better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to mention quickly uh, since um, not too long ago, I did an interview with the owners of Video Nomicon who are releasing Science Crazed uh, Special Edition on DVD. That that is actually going to be coming out. Uh, I believe it's in August. They're having a release party and a screening of Science Crazed, uh, a big screen screening in Saskatchewan coming up in, uh, I think, about a month from now, maybe three weeks. So very soon, everybody will be able to get their super special edition of Science Crazed on DVD, which is very exciting. <laughs> uh, um, so so before, before, we, uh, before we, we finish up officially, uh, I, I, there is a couple of things I wanted to mention because, uh, like I said, I do have a friend, uh, Chase, who's in the Georgia Ghostbusters, so big shout out to, to the Georgia Ghostbusters. He told me, uh, he suggested I look up um, some of the of the, the the really bad Ghostbusters fan films. Sure. So he suggested uh, Ghostbusters Marshall Division uh, okay. and the Ecto Epic. Um, so I'm definitely going to be looking those up. So I've, I'll give, I'll give them a big shout out since, since he was so, uh, uh, nice, he was nice enough to talk to me about the whole ridiculousness of it on, uh, on Facebook. Absolutely. And if we can, we'll actually link those on this. Episode yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. I'm sure, I'm sure they're all on. Yeah. They said they're both on YouTube. So no problem. Mo, if people want to check out no budget nightmares on the internet, what's the best way for them to do? Ah, so? go right to Facebook. <laughs> that, that'll get you where you want to go. Get you where you need to go. No, give us a look up. It's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares. Right. You can also find us on uh, both Mo and myself on Twitter. He is at drunk on VHS. I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L W Y T I. I can't believe I fucked that up. <laughs> I've only said it a million times. T I L L E Y. Uh, you can also find back episodes, all of our archive over at nobudgetpodcast.com. Please go over to iTunes and subscribe. It's I linked just, on I that. I or... did that today. Uh, went to the to No Budget Podcast and, and listened to, no, to Hip Hop Locos. That's right. Mo just listened to the and, very first episode of the show. And you know what I got to say? What? That episode, really funny. It's, I, I haven't listened back to it. It's also very short. It's yeah, like 45 it's, minutes, it's, I think. Uh, For us, that is super fucking yeah, short. Well, because we were doing a different format back then where it was more like, well, we had a list of questions and we'll just we'll ask. Oh, that's right. You know, like it, it, like it wasn't even like we were covering the film in depth. It was really more like, let's watch this and then answer these questions. Uh, which, if we had kept with that, I have to admit, probably these shows would be way fucking shorter. <laughs> <laughs> that it, it, people who who don't know and, and do want to go back and listen to that episode, um, Mo and I had only talked for the first time that, like that day, that day, yeah. right before, 
right before recording that episode. We talk, so talked you, for about five minutes before we hit record on that episode. It was it's pretty wild to think of how good that episode is. And we had no structure at all either. I mean, we were just kind of winging it. Yep. Yeah, so that that's what a different era of podcasting that was. <laughs> uh, Mo, uh, can you tell people about your strange vapes? Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on to uh, onto the uh, the YouTube and uh, just give a search for strange vapes. I'm the only one on there, so uh, for strange vapes that is, and uh, and you'll find me. I, I've got about 13 episodes up now. Uh, I had taken a brief hiatus because I wanted to uh, change the look of the show, uh, you know, make it look a little bit better, but I kind of failed in that so uh, i'm great i'm gonna start posting new episodes again real soon probably uh probably next week um so yeah go go on there uh i i review odd and unusual flavors of uh of e-cigarette uh juice juice the juice is loose i I, I do reviews for juices that i like as well too uh but Mm -hmm. those ones aren't usually as in-depth it's usually just i take a puff and i'm like this is pretty good and you can also find me on my other podcast, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, at ericrobertsistheman.com. We recently covered both the film The Coca-Cola Kid from 1985 and uh, <laughs> Season 3, Episode 3 of Celebrity Wife Swap, where <laughs> Eric Roberts Eric Roberts swaps his wife, Eliza, with uh, the, the couple of Robin Leach from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and his wife, whose name escapes me at the moment. Mrs. Robin Leach. Uh, no, she's famous on her own, at her, uh, uh, in her own oh, right okay. as a model. Um, and in fact, you would recognize her almost immediately. Most of the response I've gotten from the episode is, hey, I had no idea they were married. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a very amusing episode, both of the podcast and of that show. I don't know much about Celebrity Wife Swap. I do know there's an episode where Ric Flair and Roddy Piper swap wives, and I'm more interested in watching that. <laughs> But, uh, Mo, I don't think there isn't uh, that much more to uh, talk about. Is there any movie that you've seen recently that you want to recommend? Um, I mean, ha- did I talk about Mad Max in the last episode? I think you might have, actually. Right, well, it's good, eh? Yeah, it's, so it's really good. I, there's nothing that really pops to, pops into my head at the moment. You know what? I just I watched the movie The Giver. Oh, uh, I love that movie. Yeah. Now I love that movie too. I watched that movie uh, when on pay television here in Canada back in like 1992. I had a VHS copy of it. I watched it incessantly. So I'm going to be on a podcast somewhat uh, in the near future, and what's one of the movies being covered on it? So I watched it. The director's cut of it, which I think might be the only version that's available on DVD, at least here in North America. And the thing is, that version is cut. All the not all the violence, but like a whole bunch of the violence That's is cut so out of weird. it. They they did two things to it. They added a little bit of exposition. They cut all these like frames or or, or little bits out of the most violent sequences, so it gets a PG thirteen. And they changed all the transitions or a bunch of the transitions between scenes to like a big lightning bolt coming down, and and so it's more like a cartoon. Oh, so weird. It's really and it's supposed to be the director's cut, and it's. Yeah, it's it's really distressing actually because I just wanted to watch the version of the movie I grew up with. I remember the first time I saw that I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's crazy violent for what it's yeah, supposed yeah, to be." Yeah, right. I I remember yeah. the crazy violence in it. So like the I the, the idea of it being cut just that's awful. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I think that's everything because we need to get out Absolutely. of here so we can prepare for the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares co- uh, podcast where we're going to be featuring 1989's Things. I'm going to start watching it now. Start watching it now, everybody, and we'll be back before long. Good night, everybody. Good night. There's a time and place to doubt your eyes. Living in disgrace, living in disguise. 
You can take my soul, but you can't take my life. Asleep inside, asleep inside. For every evil man, there are three who know. But every evil act will tend to grow. And when it grows too big, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide, nowhere to hide. There must be someone who we can call, some brave souls who can protect us all, who aren't afraid of what we fear most, who aren't afraid of no ghost. You can cast them out. You can chase them off. You can scream and shout. You can scheme and scoff. But the bravest souls, their skins are tough. They'll let it slide. They'll let it slide. They are the people who we can call. The brave souls who can protect us all. Who aren't afraid of what we fear most? Who aren't afraid of no ghost? They may not look like the ones you've seen before. That just means they have less to do more. After all these years and all this concern, it's clearly time for their return. They don't harvest souls. They help us say goodbye. Keep the city safe, though it's a mile high. And to those who doubt, I'd like to see them try to be our guide. They are our guides. So they're the people who we can call, the bravest souls to protect us all, who aren't afraid of what we fear most. Who aren't afraid of no ghost? They are the people who we can call, the brave souls who can protect us all. Who aren't afraid of what we fear most? Who aren't afraid of no ghost? They are the people who we can call. The brave souls who protect us all, who aren't afraid of what we fear most, who aren't afraid of no ghosts.